This podcast contains coarse language, adult themes, and spoilers. My name's Peach, and for the past couple of years, I've been helping my friend Shag overcome his childhood aversions to everyday foods in the podcast Fussy Eater. Now it's his turn to help me conquer my phobia of scary movies over one spooky night in the FBI studios, one Wikipedia synopsis at a time. This is Spooko. So shag. <laughs> so Peach. Yeah, 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 yeah. So this <laughs> night just gets spookier. So you sound like the Yerkwin Phoenix Joker. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Is it any good? Oh. Can I just assume it's fine and never watch it? Is that? <laughs> can I just do Princess Bride rules and be like, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, it's fine. Peach, it's fine. you should really see the Princess Bride. Oh, I don't think I have to. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It probably, probably diminishing returns. I reckon watching it now, it wouldn't have the. Magic. I'll be like, yep, yeah, classic. It was like I thought. <laughs> well done, everyone. <laughs> For telling me. Anyway, go on. But it's been a long night. We're sort of we're feeling a little bit silly. Mm-hmm. And uh, less and less spooked, I must say. And Shag, I've had a chance to snoop on some other podcasts, right? And um, just a quick uh, battle rap inflected question of Shag, why do all these other podcasts sound like Peach featuring Peach? <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask. Peach, how could they be copying us if... This was all recorded on I one know. spooky night. <laughs> this is one of the spookier things about tonight, <laughs> is that everyone sounds like Peach featuring Peach, and that's fine, and that's good, and good on them. I think the spookiest thing about this podcast mm. is last episode, which was merely minutes, <laughs> minutes ago, ago. <laughs> but somehow in that time, you've managed to see both parts of the Harry Potter play. It's a spooky thing. <laughs> it's a spooky thing that in the last few minutes I have popped down to old Melbourne town and seen Harry Potter and the Cursed Child part one and two. Can I ask, was it super woke? Uh, no, it was not especially woke. <laughs> there was a large cast of characters and there were two black characters who were the black characters. Oh, and it was no. like, oh, JK Rowling, this is not how you do diversity, my oh. dude. It was reasonably awkward. And every important character was male apart from a token female important character. And I don't want to do too many spoilers, but it's like, Ginny's a sports editor. And Harry does the cooking. So I'm pretty woke. And it's like, no, JK Rowling, tokenism is not the same as wokeness. You know, sure you do the cooking, but there's a lot more you can do to help that whole household run. Exactly. Just cooking a couple of meals a week is, a, is like ScoMo levels of how exactly. much work you're bringing to the family unit. And Draco's like, Ginny, lovely kitchen. And Harry's like, ugh. And Ginny's like, yeah, fuck off, Draco. I don't do anything in the kitchen. It's fucking Harry's. All right, so it's a horror movie podcast. It is. And we're uh, helping Mm. you get over your fear of horror movies. Thank you. You've listened to the plots of 17 movies so far. Mm. I got to ask, are there any tropes you're starting to recognise that you enjoy or don't enjoy? Uh, The ones I don't is the lingering spooky ending. Okay. And the other trope is... 
just Blair Witch Project, the graves being outside the tent. That's just <laughs> that's the real lingering wonder. I'm like, oh, jeez. There's there's a trope which I think is interesting that mm. we haven't got to yet, and one of the reasons I think we haven't is because we haven't examined one of the real classics of the genre, and that is the summer camp turning into a, I guess, like a killing field. <sighs> There's a lot of reasons why I think a summer camp is an amazing setting. Mm. And, you know, wouldn't be now mm. that everyone has a like has a cell phone, has a cell phone, oh my gosh, how old do I sound? Every, now that everyone's essentially connected to each other 24-7 mm. and there's track, and you know where everyone was. But back in the day, back in the 80s when this was like the genre, you were essentially stranded. You were hours away from anybody helping you in any way. And you had to sort of just trust that everyone around you didn't harbour any like homicidal leanings to do bad things uh, to which you. Which one are we doing today? So today we're doing... Well, you know what? Before we go into this, mm-hmm. who are the big people we've done? We've done Freddy. Freddy. We've done Pinhead. We've done Pinhead. We've done... We've done Michael Myers in Michael a roundabout Myers. way. Yeah. We did it like, without talking about it. He's him. sort of conspicuous in his absence. Yes, we I did think, that. I think Michael Myers. Who's missing from that? Yes, it's the big three. I shouldn't have said Pinhead in retrospect. <laughs> 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 no, no. The greatest British horror film of all time. <laughs> the standout of the uh, the most fantastic genre of all. R.I.P. Pinhead. Um, go back to the Cenobite dimension. Um are we talking about Jason today? We are. We Today we are doing Jason Voorhees, who is a, a looming figure in Friday the 13th, part one. Can I, can I just, just ask a question about Jason? Okay, yes. Like, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> You've previously said uh, that Jigsaw was one of the worst bad guys ever. Yeah. Jason, I feel like it must be there or thereabouts. I'm like, mm-hmm, cool. There you go. There he is. But you know, going back, go. You know what? We're, we're just we're just going to talk about this. Let's show you the trailer. We spoke earlier tonight about in theme narrators for previews. And that guy's the familiar, spooky American narrator from almost literally every preview from the 1980s and 1990s. He just counted for a while. Man, I'm back to feeling jaunty and cocky. I was not especially spooked, except when Kevin Bacon nearly got killed. To explain, because mm. I don't think we have the rights to be, play the original trailer, but the, the trailer from the 80s goes, one... And, and then 30 seconds pass. <laughs> Two. And then eventually gets to Friday the 13th. Because the whole time I'm like, why is he counting? Yes. And it's like, oh, he's counting up to 13. It took ages. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also, uh, like, I genuinely think in the same way that technology has evolved exponentially in the last 20 or 30 years, mm-hmm. so has storytelling. And the easiest way to tell to tell a story, especially with a video, is have a voiceover. So a lot of a, so like what's happening now yeah, is a lot, of, a lot of trailers in the eighties are like the voiceover explains why you should see the film. <laughs> Whereas like now, and especially trailer, you know, narrative skills have like improved so much that you do not need a voiceover to do that stuff. And in fact, when you do, you do it for a reason, or it comes across as like campy or throwback. Yes. So it's something like Quentin Tarantino would do, but he does it with like a knowing wink to be like, "Can you believe I'm doing this?" Uh, 
we don't like Quentin Tarantino on this podcast, do we? I I really like mm. some of his films, but Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is so bad. If we're taking shots at J.K. Rowling, I think we're going to take shots. <laughs> I think we already have. It's been a long night. All right. Fuck Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> All right. So... Friday the 13th. Mm-hmm. Peach, did you get a good feel for the film watching that? Let me tell you what it's about. Okay. There's a teen camp. Mm-hmm. Various a teen camp. Teen <laughs> camp. Sorry. In fact, yes. No, you're right to pull me up on that. I've got no idea what's yeah. going on. Where in America, there are youngsters around. Mm-hmm. They get murdered in order, 1 through 12, and then number 13. Didn't see any chainsaws or hockey masks. No. So, no chainsaws for Jason. Jason is known for the hockey mask, okay. not for the chainsaw. Okay. He's more often than not killing with like a big machete. Okay. So that, yes. that would yes. be his thing. Yes, yes, And he wears sort of... Like a butcher's apron. No, he doesn't do that. That's, you, you're thinking of Leatherface here. He'll wear just like a baggy pair of jeans and an is old... Is Jason the jacket. shittest of like Leatherface and Freddy and He's um, no. Mike Myers? <laughs> We'll get into this. You'll, okay, okay, you'll, okay, you'll good, find good. a bit about it. But, but uh, I suspect he stinks. I'm not spooked. This is from 1980, which mm-hmm. is crazy. The fact that it still has such such resonance now. Um, it really did help popularize this whole idea of a slasher film at a summer camp, which again... Uh, I'm with you. Think about it. It's like, you know, teens will go oh, away and spend like weeks there in their, you know, massive summer holidays. It'll yes. be somewhere very rural... If there is a cop, there'll be one. He'll be old. it'll be a he. He'll be old. There'll be jokes about him spilling his coffee as like fast cars drive past. Sort of, it'll be that sort of thing. And he's still super far away. And the only way they can communicate is by like you know walkie talkies and things like that. Ooh, yeah, this is a bit spooky. It actually. is really spooky. Um, yeah, right? I'm sort of into it. Yeah, yeah. And it's fine because you're like it's summer camp. We're only here to have fun. Everyone cares about me. But what if someone doesn't? And Ooh. that is the premise for Friday the Thirteenth. Classic Freddy coming to summer camp. So, we start in 1958. Oh, uh, okay. We, we start then. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, Camp Crystal Lake. Counselors Barry and Claudette sneak inside a storage cabin to have sex. Cool. Good um, on This is another... This is like, this is, we've talked about this before. Sex is evil. Sex is evil. Like, if you have sex in this movie, you will get killed. Oof. So... Glad I'm not in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Brag. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Classic. I'm 37 years old. (laughs) All right. So Barry and Claudette are counselors at Camp Crystal Lake and they sneak inside a storage cabin to have sex. Mm -hmm. Good Um, spot. In my years of experience. <laughs> Where an unseen assailant murders them. and oh, I thought they were conceiving um, Jason. No. They're conceiving fucking, what's he calling it? Jason. Okay. Just, just All keep, right, sorry. keep listening. I hate Jason. So 21 years later. I would fight Jason, actually. <laughs> what's up, Jason? 21 years later, camp counsellor Annie Phillips is given a lift halfway to the reopened Camp Crystal Lake by a truck driver named Enos. Shit name. Mm -hmm. Despite an elderly man named Crazy Ralph warning her. So there's a bit going on here. Yeah. How did Crazy Ralph get his name? I, I don't think they go into that, but again... 
80s horror films did not treat mental illness <laughs> in the same way that we treat it now. Even to the point where, more often than not, and I want to go into this when we talk about later movies, but one of the tropes that's mm. kind of gross when you watch back on it is an event will make someone snap and all of a sudden they'll have a mental illness and they'll want to kill people. Mm. So it'll be like, oh, I saw... In fact, there's one later on where mm. someone has a bad experience with Santa as a kid, so they grow up and they become an evil Santa that kills people because... Are we watching that? We, we will talk about that. Okay. I think that'll be our Christmas episode. It's called Silent Night, Deadly Night, and that'll Classic. be coming up. There's one it's, called Red Christmas that I think we should watch as well. That's Australian. Although Silent Night, Deadly Night, when it did come out, uh, it was banned after a week and Siskel and Ebert gave a review on air where they read out everyone's name and said, shame on you. And they'd read out another name and say, shame on you. And they read out another name saying, shame That's on you. That's really boring, but it was the 1980s. It I was suppose. the 80s. So we will talk about the movie later on. But anyway, we're talking about uh, Friday the 13th. Crazy Ralph has already warned Annie Phillips not to go, but she's gone. Mm-hmm. While driving, Enos warns Annie about the camp's past. I don't know how everyone... Uh, free the internet. How does everyone know? Man, unsolicited advice is my <laughs> least favourite. It's like, I'm just riding in your fucking truck, son. Just, just relax. Yeah. Didn't ask for any advice. It's like when you get in a cab or an They're Uber. mansplaining to Amy. It's like, Annie, it's like it when is. you get into a cab or an Uber and you're going somewhere and they're like, oh, you're going there. I tell you what, you should actually go to this place. So it's like, well, I'm going to this place. So. Or when they're asked the route, it's like, do you want to go this way or that way? It's like, my dude's like... <laughs> 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 what are you what are you expecting me to say? Anyway, Enos warns Annie about the camp's past, informing her about a young boy who drowned at Crystal Lake in nineteen fifty seven and the two murders. Uh, uh I was yes, sorry, of the uh of the lovers, yes. Of the lovers, yeah, in the mm. storage closet. After being dropped off, she hitches another ride from Presumably a- twenty two years of safety have have passed. Yeah, so nothing's happened in yep. that time. Sick. But people are still talking about Ooh. it. Crazy people, though. After, after being dropped off, mm. she hitches another ride from an unseen person who chases her into the wood and slashes her throat. Yeah, I find that just irritating and just low in context. But it's like we, we've had like two fake-out beginnings already. Oh, See what yeah, I mean? Okay. Oh, because we got to know Rachel and was like, oh, no, she's dead. Yeah, okay, cool. Annie. I don't but, care. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just don't care. She's dead now. Okay, so at the camp, counselors Ned Rubenstein. Yeah, I'm going to throw. Oh, they get of, surnames. All I'm right. going to throw a lot of names at you. Okay, counselors Ned Rubenstein, Jack Burrell, Bill Brown. They didn't try very hard with Bill Brown. <laughs> Marcy Cunningham, Brenda Jones, and Alice Hardy, along with the owner Steve Christie, refurbish the cabins and facilities. As a thunderstorm approaches, mm. Steve leaves the campground to stock supplies. Okay, so this is this is quite a short synopsis. We're going to see a lot of people killed thick and fast. Sick, let's do it. So Ned, what sees, are their surnames? That's what I'm really interested in. So Ned Rubenstein sees someone <laughs> walk into a cabin and follows, while Jack and Marcy. What? Why? There are like 45 people. There. <laughs> it's like, oh, there's someone. <laughs> while Jack and Marcy have sex in one of the cabin's bunk mm. beds, they are unaware of Ned's body above them <laughs> with his throat slit. Ooh, so they're having sex under a corpse. Yeah, and they don't realise that. Um, When Marcy leaves to use the bathroom, Jack's throat is pierced with an arrow from beneath the bed. The killer follows Marcy into the bathroom and slams an axe into her face. Okay. Now, I want to stop right here Mm. and just explain that in the past, we've said 80s American films are all fun and goofy, but some of them, there was just this... 
there was this license to be needlessly horrific. Yeah, like, uh, as I'm listening, none of this seems plot relevant. It's like, he killed heaps of people. And I'm like, mm-hmm. And, you know, one of the things a lot of horror fans talk about is like, oh, you know, like, you'll, you'll go onto YouTube about Friday the 13th and there'll be, like, the kill count video and you can watch all the different kills. And it's like, ah. And... They're All ju- the different kills. Yeah. And, and you like sometimes they're fun. Like in Final Destination, it's it's all about the creativity. <gasps> Are of we going to do Final Destination? At some point, yes. Sick. But there's there's a few sort of horror images that have always stuck with me and not in a good way. And seeing the axe go into her face in the shower Ooh. in Friday the 13th Part 1, it was it's one of those things where you don't think they're going to do it. They do it. And it just... it's 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 not satisfying. It's not... Uh, it's 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 one of those things you take as a horror fan that sometimes you're gonna see things that and I, like I guess it's one of those things where it's like you need bad and good for experiences to be whole but there are there are some yeah it it is just gruesome so the murders in in Friday the Thirteenth generally stand out for their horrific nature okay they also seem fairly pedestrian based on the well, his throat was or or is this just my 2019 lens it's it's more yeah I mean they're not. They're not jigsaw. There's, there was no, there's not a lot of thought into it. It's like, I've got an arrow. I'm just going to pierce your throat. Cool. All right. So Jack's throat was pierced. So they had sex and so obviously they had to die. Cool. Jack's throat is pierced with an arrow. Marcy gets the axe to the face. Brenda. Fucking hell, there's so many people. Brenda. Oh, Christ. Brenda hears a child's voice calling for help and ventures outside to the archery range where the lights turn on. Later, Steve returns and recognises the unseen killer who stabs him. Recognises the unseen killer? Yes. Well, unseen to us. Ah, uh, yes. Hey, the, it's... The, yeah. What, with a warm note of recognition or with a note of fear? Or No, I think it's a note of fear. I think it's a bit like, hey, what, what are you doing with that knife? Uh, don't do, don't lift that up. Uh, don't what stab are you, me. Uh, what are you doing? Yeah, because obviously it's unseen. So the, what their, their recognition has to tell a bit of the story for us. So what, isn't Brenda out in the lit up tennis court or whatever she is at the moment? Yeah, so Brenda's there. Yeah, okay. But uh, that's Steve dying. So the people who've died so far. So Ned Rubenstein's dead. All right, Pete. Uh, uh, two people Marcy, in 1958. Yeah. Marcy, Marcy, two people in 1958. Yep. Marcy Cunningham is dead. Yep. Uh, Jack Burrell is dead. Uh, Lucy Blogsy in the car. Yep. Uh, Steve is dead. And Steve, remember, is the owner. So Steve is the one who would recognise. Maybe not everyone would recognise, but the owner of the place is probably a bit older is going to recognise this person. Sorry, the killer. The killer, okay. yes. That is unseen at this point. Sick. So there's not a lot of people left. But anyway, worried by their friends' disappearances, Alice and Bill leave the main cabin to investigate. They find the axe in Brenda's bed, the phone's disconnected, and the car's inoperable. Which... It's pretty spooko. It's spooko, but I I feel like often killers are given too much credit. Like, I imagine I could probably figure out how to cut the phone lines... To to yeah. a house, but render that car inoperable. You'd be like, well, like YouTube video. Like, have to go onto YouTube. To you'd, you'd literally have your phone open and be like, "Okay, guys, today we're going to show you how to." The first forty-five seconds, be like, "Okay, guys, thanks so much for all your support for all my videos. I really, really appreciate it." <laughs> what I try to do here is to help people, and you know, the idea that I'm helping you out with this is. Or really maybe impossible. we'd be like going onto like the TikTok hashtag render a car inoperable <laughs> challenge and be like, boom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway, so mm. I mean, I think that's it's a bit like Deus Ex Jason, but anyway. <laughs> so when the power goes out, Bill goes to check on the generator, 
Alice heads out to look for him and finds his body pinned with arrows to the generator room's door. She flees to the main cabin to hide, only to be traumatised further when Brenda's body is thrown through the window. Which is actually a pretty spooky thing. That is pretty spooky. If you're going to spook someone out, you'd be like, I'm going to throw the corpse. Here's your mate's corpse. Yeah, that would spook me out. That is. If someone threw your corpse at me, I'd be like, woo, woo. (laughs) (laughs) Relax. Soon after, Alice sees a vehicle pull up and rushes outside, thinking it is Steve. Instead, she is greeted by a middle-aged woman named Mrs. Voorhees, who claims to be an old friend of Steve's. Mm, This sounds promising. Is is there escape? Mrs. Voorhees reveals that her son Jason was the young boy who drowned in 1957, blaming his death on the counsellors who were supposed to be watching him, but they instead were having sex. Revealing herself as the killer. Oh, psycho style. Mrs. Voorhees attempts to kill Alice, but she knocks Mrs. Voorhees unconscious. At the shore, Mrs. Voorhees tries to kill her again with a machete, but Alice gains the advantage and decapitates her. Again, decapitating someone first try. Not easy. I don't think it would be easy. After seeing Killing Eve and finding out how hard it is to kill someone with an axe, I'm like, oh yeah, anyway. Anyway, let's keep going. Exhausted, Alice boards and falls asleep inside a canoe, which floats out on Crystal Lake. Just as she wakes up, Jason's decomposing body reaches up from underneath the lake and grabs her and starts to pull her down into the lake. At this point, she awakens inside a hospital with a police officer and medical staff tending to her. So so that was a dream. When Alice asks about Jason, the officer says there was no sign of any boy. She says then he's still there as the lake is shown at peace. So, Peach, the big twist and the big thing that people don't realise is that Jason doesn't actually really appear till Friday the 13th Part 2 and it's his mum who's the killer in the original one. Who's the killer in Psycho 2? Is there a Psycho 2? (laughs) I think, no, there would be. Yeah, I don't know. Surely there is. There's 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 an... uh, Whatever that, what's that? That horrible Brett Easton Ellis one? An American oh, Psycho. Oh, when American we were, Psycho. yeah, American no. Psycho, and there's then an when American we were Psycho partying too, or whatever. When like there's a there's a young girl who it doesn't make any sense. It's so dumb. Are you saying Brett Easton Ellis's work <laughs> is not perfect? <laughs> Brett, what is up? Brett is American Psycho is something you should never read. That is an awful, terrible, mean spirited book that shouldn't exist. It's shit, Brett. But but but. What I think is interesting about this mm. is, you know, potentially that whole thought of these counsellors were having sex and her son died mm. and then she had to wreak revenge on everyone f- forevermore is almost kind of like why in subsequent movies which were inspired by this film, mm. sex is punishable by death. <sighs> it's almost like the legacy of this film reaches out to all those other films even though they have nothing and they don't live in the same universe. So the act of sex... Itself, it follows. Bitch, what are you doing? Man, I'm so glad that I wasn't in this film. Uh, this was recorded at FBI Studios. Please like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can and as much as you can. And Resh's, what's up? <laughs>